Merry Christmas. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. It is good to see families. It is good to see everybody in the family, here with the family, to celebrate the head of the family. See, I was going to turn to Matthew 1. It's going to be in just verses 22 through 23. He's called it Emmanuel, God with us. And man, these phrases become old hat to us. And again, it's refreshing to remember once in a while that, you know, Peter says, man, these are things that all those prophets that came before searched and made inquiry into. What would be the time? What would be the manner? And angels desired to peer into it. And the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, is this wasn't understood by them, that it would be God. So we just sang these things. Think about what we just sang that's given to us. That we see now that, man, they desire to make inquiry into, that angels desire to appear into. They, they didn't have this, and we do. Is Israel's strength and consolation, we just sang all these, the hope of all the earth, the desire of every nation, the joy of every longing heart, born a child and yet a king, to reign in us forever. We know this, we get to sing this, Christ is the Lord. Praise his name forever, his power and glory forevermore proclaim. And so that baby who's born a king has been on the move for 2,000 years, and there will be no end to it. Let's rewind for a moment and witness the moment of the incarnation. So in Matthew 1, I'm going to start at 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her, in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Praise be to your name. Glory and honor forever to it. Lord, our words fall short, so we ask that you would teach our hearts to sing your praise. May this, may this day, may this day we celebrate be, be refreshed, be new this morning and every morning. Lord, what a, what a truly awful and awesome grievous work you began that day. We thank you for your faithfulness as the child, as the man, as the God-man, as the king, our captain, our brother, our savior, our God, to come and do this work. Lord, we brought nothing to the table. May you grant it to us now to praise your name and to turn in grateful obedience and to serve the baby, become king, who was king and is and evermore shall be. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for all the families here and who aren't here. Pray it would be 
a sweet time in all the homes represented here. And in all those homes under the banner of your name. And Lord, some of it do it grievously today. Some of it do it in persecution. May we be mindful of our brethren, wherever they may be. May we praise your name with them. May you bless CFC brings your word. May you grant him right interpretation. May it be new to us again and every day, Lord. May this time be to your honor, to your praise, to your glory, and the good of your people. In your name, our Lord's name, Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Thank you, Garrett. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Good to have you here. Stay with the passage that he read. We're going to look at a Christmas message this morning. It's not a usual thing for Christmas to come on a Sunday, but and it won't happen again for another 11 years. It won't happen again until 2033. But uh, it's a good time to celebrate the uh, birth of Christ with a service and look at the truth in Scripture of his name being Emmanuel and why that's important. What's the significance of that? Well, in reality, it is the whole reason for Christmas is for God to be with us uh, because that not always been the case. And so we're going to look at that this morning and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity, and we gather here to reflect upon you and your goodness toward us for the blessings that we have in this life. Uh, that come forth from you to rejoice in the relationship that we can have with you through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we gather and as we look at the Scripture this morning, just pray for your divine guidance that you would direct me in my teaching, keep me from error, help me to rightly divide your word of truth and explain it clearly and accurately and that your people would receive it, Father, and go forth from here to serve you. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen. My text for today is verses 22 and 23, so we can direct our attention there. Verse 22 says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. Passage starts off with that phrase, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, uh, that which was spoken by the prophet. And the, and the passage that we're looking at is a fulfillment of a prophecy that was given many, many years before. And what the purpose of a prophet was, was the purpose of a prophet was to deliver to the people the word of God. Uh, it was divine revelation that the prophet spoke, divine inspiration, if you will. In this case, it was the prophet Isaiah. God had chosen Isaiah to be his mouthpiece for this. And so what you're seeing in the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of that prophecy. There were over 300 uh, prophetic events fulfilled during the life and time of Jesus Christ. 
to grant authenticity to the word that was previously given. And even today, we have divine inspiration. The word that is sitting before you is the word of God that God has delivered to his people, that has been treasured and kept down through the ages and delivered to us even at this time. And it is God's revelation to man. Because the problem with man is that man is in darkness and man is depraved and separated from God and incapable of knowing God. And so God must come to man. And that's what scripture teaches us, that God came to man when man wasn't going to God, if you will. And so the passage tells us here, beginning in the 23rd verse, it says, Behold, this is the prophetic scripture. It comes from Isaiah 7. And it says, Behold, the word behold uh, is the word that means to see, perceive, or to look at. And to look at with admiration, to embrace something for its full content. If, if God was using a highlighter, the word behold would be a word that was, would be highlighted. It's a divine highlighter, if you will, of scripture. It could also be interpreted, listen up. Put your focus upon this. Look intently at what's taking place. And so scripture says, behold, that a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. Uh, this passage, the word here that's quoted in the book of Isaiah uh, for virgin is, is used here in the Greek text. They use the word parthenos, and parthenos st stood for or represented, if you will, a woman that was beyond puberty that was not married and had not been intimate with a man. Uh, in the Hebrew, the word is Alma, and it can be translated virgin, young woman, or maiden. And uh, you get over here in another area in the Hebrew, there's a word Bethelah, which is also translated virgin. But when the Septuagint was written, which was a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, when it was translated over, both the word Bethelah and uh, Alma were translated virgin with this word Parthenos. And uh, it references a, a, a young female that had not been with a man. So how did Mary get pregnant? She got married. She got pregnant because God impregnated her through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Christ was implanted in her, and then she brought forth the Son. What is the significance of that? What is the importance of that? You know, why is the virgin birth so important for Christian uh, belief? Because the virgin birth is one of the five fundamentals of the faith, that if the virgin birth is denied, the rest of the scripture falls apart. And yet scripture repeats over and over and over again that, um, that Christ was born of a virgin. The name that is chosen for him here is it says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And this scripture is fulfilled in the birth of Christ, uh, that God is with us. John puts it like this in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, if you'd like to turn there and look at that verse. Chapter 1, verse 14 says this, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full 
of grace and truth. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture that's before us, and we look at the passage in John, it says that the Word became flesh. This passage here says a virgin will bring forth the Son. And what it's talking about is a is an act that we refer to as the incarnation. The incarnation is where the eternal Son of God took upon Himself human flesh, became a human being, and lived here on earth. Jesus uh, was not born on Christmas Day. Okay, Jesus is pre-existent. What took place at the birth of Christ was He was incarnated. He took on human flesh. So He's eternal God, but He is eternal God in a human body. And so the virgin birth is essential for that for several reasons. I've written down three, and one of those reasons is that salvation is from God. It's not from man. The birth of Christ did not come about as a result of the work of man. Mary was not impregnated by Joseph. She was impregnated by God because God gave His Son. It tells us in Galatians 4.4, the passage I spoke on last week, that God sent forth His Son. It was God bringing His Son into the world. This goes all the way back to Genesis, the third chapter, where God made a promise that there would come a day when the seed of the woman, singular, the seed of the woman would uh, crush the head of the serpent. And what you're seeing here in this prophecy of Isaiah and in the testimony of Matthew, which is followed up by the testimony of Luke also, is that Christ came into the world. But He came into the world born of a virgin because salvation is of God. Salvation comes forth from God. The second reason for the virgin birth is that the virgin birth allows the full deity and the full humanity of Christ to exist in one person. Now, what's the significance of that, and what does that mean? Well, first of all, the full deity of Christ means that Jesus Christ is preexistent God. He's eternal God. He never was a time when He was not God. And what He does is He comes into the world, but He comes veiled in human flesh. And so the only way you could come into the world veiled in human flesh was to come through a virgin. What's the, what's the reasoning for that? Because ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, and man fell and became sinful, that sin is passed on to every human being that comes into the world. Man is born a sinner. Man does not become a sinner by doing bad things. Man does bad things because he is a sinner. Sin reveals the depravity of man. And as a person grows and they get older, that, uh, that proof is just displayed more and more in our life. Because not only do we do bad things, we think bad things. And not only do we do bad things and we think bad things, we say bad things. And so sin is seen in our words, thoughts, and deeds. But our sin comes forth from our evil, sinful nature. That's where it comes from. Sin does not come about because of Satan. Sin does not come about uh, from bad choices. Sin comes about because that's who we are. And that's why we need a Savior. Man is depraved and wicked and separated from an eternal and holy God and has no ability 
uh, to come to God because of his sin. He has no desire to come to God because of his sin. Any desire that man has from God comes from God, and God puts it there. Jesus put it like this. He says, the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. He says, the darkness does not embrace the light. Darkness does not come to light. It runs from light. So God sends forth his son, and scripture tells us that he draws us to himself, brings us to himself. And so it was important to have the virgin birth because Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. Uh, the, the joining together of two distinct natures uh, is referred to in Scripture over and over and over again. That Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, meaning the one and unique. There's never been another individual on the earth that possessed what Christ possessed, and that is 100% deity and 100% man without sin. And so he was brought together in one person, the God-man. Why did he need to be the God-man? He has to be the God-man for several reasons. One, he has to be able to uh, get in connection with God. And number two, he identifies with man. He becomes our substitute is what he does. And so when Jesus came here, he came born as a Jew, living under the law, whereby he fully kept the law. See, he did by keeping the law what you and I are incapable of doing. He lived a perfectly sinless life. And so when he went to the cross, he died as our substitute. Our sin was placed upon him. And when our sin was placed upon him, he died in our place. The technical word used by theologians is penal substitutionary atonement. Penal meaning he took our crime. Substitutionary, he stood in our place. Atonement, he makes it possible for us to be back in union with God. And that's what Jesus Christ does in the incarnation with the two natures brought together like that, two distinct natures brought together like that. Jesus Christ pays the debt for our sin. And the third point is this. Because of the virgin birth of Christ and Christ being born a Jew and living under the law and keeping the law fully, that enabled him to be a sin bearer on our behalf, a representative bearer of our sin. And so he took upon himself our sin and died in our place. And when we are brought into relationship with him through faith, we receive his imputed righteousness. God infuses us with the righteousness of Christ. And so what that simply means is that when it comes to the end of your life, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you go into the presence of God as righteous as Jesus Christ. Your sin are forgiven. Your sin debt is paid for. And, and so that's the blessing of the virgin birth. And that is the story of Christmas, getting the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith because Jesus Christ was our substitute. And so he says that his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. You understand that God could not be with us if something was not done with our sin because God does not cohabitate with sin. The only thing that enables me to come in the presence of God is the fact that God has forgiven me of my sin and I have the imputed righteousness of Christ. 
that positionally in my relationship with God, I stand eternally cleansed in His presence, but not just free from sin, I also have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ given to me. Now here on earth, the whole different story. Here on earth is a different story because we struggle continually with sin. But positionally, we're right with God and we're right with God for all eternity because He's given us that righteousness. That's the blessed, uh, the blessed story of Christmas is that we have the righteousness of Christ. But I like this part here where it says, and His name shall be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. What an amazing thing that God is with us. And you see this promise in Matthew right here at the beginning of Matthew. And then if you go to the end of Matthew and you look in Matthew 28, you see it stated yet, yet again. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And at this point in time, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's paid the debt for man. He was buried in a tomb, raised again, and he's speaking to the disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God is with us. God is with us from the time we trust in Him all the way through the end of the ages. God is with us. The importance of God being with us is significant in this sense that no matter what we face in life, you can never as a believer say, where was God? Because God is with you at all time. And that brings comfort into our life. It brings surety into our life. It brings stability into our life. I think often about what that means that many times when you have someone with you, it will give you much more confidence. Matter of fact, many times when people send me hate letters, they say, we think. I'm like, we? Who is we? I said, I know you penned the letter, but who is the we that is in here? People like that plurality because if they have someone with them, it tends to give them more confidence. I remember one evening we were sitting at the house at a ranch and it was a dark night and the kids were there, so I thought, well, it'd be a good time to tell scary stories. Kids all gathered up here and the littlest ones, they run into the house. They got too scared. And so me and my oldest son and my youngest son, we were pulling out our scariest stories and it didn't take but about 20 minutes and these kids were wired up to the max as far as fear. And I said, y'all hear that movement out there in the bush? Boy, their eyes are frozen. Another one got up and went in the house. And so we left for about three of them out there. I said, who wants to go? I said, I'll give you a dollar to whoever will go out that far end of the barn there and walk out in those bushes. And there were no takers of the money, none whatsoever. I upped the ante. I said, five bucks. They, they still, man, they had that petrified look on their face. I said, I tell you what, there's nothing out there to be afraid of. Maybe a coyote, a werewolf, or you know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something, or a Bigfoot. There's, but there's really nothing to be afraid of. They, they were terrified. And I said, you hear that sound? Ooh. I started making that little sound. 
And they, they were not about to go out there. And I took one of them and I said, why don't you go with me if I go with you? He said, I don't really want to, old thing. And I said, well, come on, go with me. Finally, one of them said, I'll go. And uh, so I had Maggie by the hand and we headed out there. But as long as I was holding her hand, she was fine. I said, see, there's nothing to be afraid out here. Not a single thing. We always in the barn, got in the bushes. And then I let go of her hand and I took off behind the bush like that. And she was right there with me. But as long as I was hanging on, she was brave. She was there. And then I started telling her, I said, what is that? You hear that bush over there? She said, let's go back to the house. Let's go back to the house. So we turned around and went back to the house. But as long as I was with her, she was fine. Folks, life is a lot like that too. As long as you know God is with you, you can face anything in life. And we have the truth of Scripture that God is with us. He says in his scripture, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us to pardon and forgive. He's with us to sanctify and strengthen. He's with us to defend and keep. He is with us to, to lead and guide. He is with us in sorrow and joy. He is with us in sickness and in health. He is with us in life and death. And he is with us in time and eternity. There is never a time that when you come to faith in Christ, God is not with you. He was with the disciples and he emboldened them to spread the gospel across the known world at that time. And they did that in the face of opposition, in the face of death, in the face of all kinds of perilous times. Just read the stories of Paul, and what he faced. But they did that because God was with them. After the disciples, missionaries, Span the globe into the darkest parts of the world. How were they able to do that? They were able to do that because God was with them. And they had the strength and the confidence of the presence of God. What about Christians that suffered as martyrs, that were persecuted, burned at the stake, tortured, all kinds of heinous acts committed to them? They were able to face death and sing with joy because they knew God was with them. Christian men on battlefields all across the world faced death, faced terror, but they were able to face it because God was with them. And they knew God abiding presence. Families all across America, all across the world, sit in hospitals with loved ones that are sick, even as the Keel family does this morning with their daughter. How are they able to do that? They're able to do that because they know God is with us. Would you go to a funeral? You can face a funeral and the loss of a loved one and the pain that that brings because you know God is with us. God is with us all the way through life, up and including your last breath. And then when you breathe your last breath, he takes you into his presence for all eternity. Because when he says God is with us, there will never be a time when God is not with you. That's the blessing of Christmas, and that is the hope that it brings. Let us go forth from here today and remember that God is with us. And you need God to be with you. Every one of us does. Rejoice on that, because that is the greatest gift that could ever be given. That my sin is forgiven, the righteousness of God is given with me, and the abiding presence of God is with me for now all the way through eternity. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness toward us. 
for your grace, your forgiveness. We thank you for the greatest gift that's been ever been given to mankind. That is the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, who forgives and pardons, who restores and makes whole, who loves in spite of our lovely lovelessness. And we're grateful for that. Father, let us cherish that. Let us be grateful for that. And let us cast the fears and the concerns of this world behind us. Because the greatest issue, the greatest mountain that we face has been solved, has been dealt with, has been destroyed and taken away by that blessed Savior that was born in a manger. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Father. Amen.